Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hello, my name is Juliana. I wanted to get your opinion on CLM, which is a cornerstone strategic value fund. And provides unbiased answers. And I just don't see that being sustainable, especially with the holdings. It just owns a suite of, of large cap companies. Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. I just wanted to follow up on something Justin was talking about on Tuesday's episode. He was talking about paying down your mortgage. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our July 28th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in this hour, and I'm going to do my best, my very best, as usual, to answer your questions, bring you some data and facts that will help you make better investment decisions. That's my main goal each and every weekday. And in that end, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. And that is our assurance to you that whatever we speak about, a strategy, a sector, uh, a company, we're presenting it here all without bias. I don't have an ax to grind. I'm just here to give you the facts and use the perspective of over 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to reach out to me right now with your finance or investment questions, and you can interact with us during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific time. But if you're listening after hours, no big deal. Just call the same number, 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. Leave your question, and we will answer it on a future show. I encourage you. Give us a call. Leave a message. I know we, we, we love the, the reviews. Those are always great as well, but we like the voicemail calls too. So good mix is ideal. Now let's get to our first listener question right now. Hi, Steve or Justin. I'm calling because I'm interested in purchasing an Invesco high-yield ETF, P-E-Y, and I was just wondering your thoughts on it. Thanks so much for your advice. You guys are great help. All right, this is the Invesco High Yield Equity Dividend Achievers ETF. Yields about 4%. This would be classified as a mid-cap value fund, about a 50.52% expense ratio. So that's pretty high for an ETF, I will say that. Uh, But you are getting that, that nice yield. But you don't want to just invest in it just because of the yield. Uh, and it, but it does have some some solid names. Uh, uh, One Oak is one of the top holdings. We own that for some managed clients. AT and T's second. So a couple of high dividend payers there. You have Philip Morris. Uh, Chevron's in the top ten. Exxon. So a lot of good quality names. So if you're getting uh, trying to get broad exposure and dividend uh, or income from your equity exposure, this is probably a good one. Now, it all is it all is concentrated in, in US equities, so you're not getting any foreign exposure there, and it's pretty heavily 
weighted towards financial services, 21%, energy, 13%, communication, 7%, consumer defensive, so your consumer staples, 17%, and utilities, 23%. So not much technology, which you might call that a good thing, only 2% there, but no basic materials, uh, you know, so not a lot of other commodities beyond just energy. And so I would rather have some exposure there as well, but uh, you're not getting any here. So uh, you want to augment this with other positions. You definitely don't want to this to be your only position, um, but as a diversified piece in a portfolio, a diversified portfolio, not a bad way to go, even though the expense ratio is a bit high. Now, my focus point today poses this question. Is e-commerce cooling now, and will there be a holiday shipping surge? We're going to touch on UPS's earnings that came out, was that yesterday, day before? And it was worse than expected. Yeah, it was yesterday. And the stock fell from 209 and closed today at 192. So a decent drop over the past couple of days. And is that an indication of maybe the economy slowing, or is it just a return to normal. So we're going to hopefully uh, get on that. Also, a story from yesterday on steps the Biden administration is trying to take to empower workers a little bit more uh, and give labor a more of a leg up, more power in negotiating better terms for pay and, and, and benefits, etc. cetera. Uh, so what is likely to be implemented? What is he trying to get implemented? What will Congress approve? And how will that impact the overall earnings picture of domestic companies? Also, employee stock options. This is something that a lot of people have to consider. Usually it's a good thing. You're getting discounted uh, equity or uh, cheap equity from your employer part of your compensation package, but there are some tax considerations and overall investment allocation decisions, and we're going to unpack that as well. And then lastly, we're going to get dig a little deeper on some of the winners and losers of the reopening of the economy. Okay, So those are the things that I want to talk about, but ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. So give me a call, 888-989-CHART. Now, today was Fed Day, and... The market moved a lot. There was a good amount of volume. But overall, the market went nowhere. The S&P closed down slightly. The NYSE, that was up 52 points. So definitely some strength there. And that was driven mainly by the small caps. The Russell was up over 1%, up 33 points. The NASDAQ, that was up 100 points, so definitely some strength there, about two-thirds of 1%, so a decent day uh, on the tech side. Uh, but the S&P, once again, that was down, and you had certain sectors, financials, that was down a tick. You had industrials also down a little bit, so uh, really not a not that exciting of a day, considering there was a Fed meeting. They're not, they didn't make any changes, but they did indicate that they're getting closer, inching closer to a potential tapering. They didn't give a clear indication on what that would look like. Uh, is that going to be equally treasuries and mortgage-backed securities? Some Fed members want to focus on mortgage-backed securities more than the treasuries. Uh, and so I expect that to be the case, but it looks to be something where it's not like they're going to taper treasury or, or mortgage-backed securities and then treasuries. It will be a little bit of both, 
maybe heavily are weighted towards the mortgage-backed security. So that was interesting to me, uh, a little bit different than what I expected. But overall, no change. And you have Jackson Hole coming up in a little less than a month. And there will be another month of data that they will be able to use to signal to the market where they are in the tapering process. Now we're heading into a quick break, but I'm here taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. I just started listening to your podcast on Spotify, and I was wondering what you thought of the stock Mind Medicine, M-M-M-D. Thank you. Let me know in the next thing, please. All right, looking at Mind Medicine, this is a very small company, billion-dollar market cap there, and no revenue, it looks like. Let's see what they do here. It's a psychedelic medicine biotech company that discovers and develops and deploys psychedelic-inspired medicines and therapies to address addiction and mental illness. Uh, looks like they're developing substances that include psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, DMT, uh, and other types of alternative, I guess, uh, drugs, shall you say, that are uh, going to be designed to treat these illnesses. Uh, you know, what type of uh, impl- uh, impact they have, they are going through phase one trials of uh, a DMT uh, type of therapy. And phase one is very early on in the process. So this is probably far off in ever becoming far off in coming becoming to market but if you believe in the space you believe that these substances do will can have an impact on mental health and addiction then this is the time you want to get in before it's fully approved uh i don't think once again it's going to be anytime soon phase one trials take a while and then then you got to get through phase two and three uh and what are the ill side effects that that the fda is going to have to get comfortable with um now technically it's been consolidating here around the three dollar level for really the balance of this year uh peaked in december of last year and has been kind of uh once again consolidating so technically it looks fine but this is a pre-revenue company what is the eventual impact and uh, market for uh, this business? It definitely could be a lot higher uh, than a billion dollars. So this would be one of those small plays, very high risk that you're just kind of buy and hold. You're not going to worry about it. It's going to fluctuate 10, 20, 30, 40% uh, at any given time. And you need to be prepared for that level of volatility. But it's a moonshot, and that's what you're, what you're really going for here. Uh, if you're, but you have to be convinced in your thesis that these substances are going to be approved by the FDA and hit market. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting their question quickly. So here are some quick questions from iTunes viewers. First, we're going to talk uh, from Brian99. want to see what you guys' thoughts are on APPH and 
ET. Now, APPH is App Harvest. Uh, this looks to be more along the lines of uh, the cannabis space. Let's see, indoor farms. Yeah, I'm definitely not buying this. The, 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 the revenue to market cap is way, way too high. Uh, the multiples are just astronomical, and they're not profitable. So I'm passing uh, on that. But ET, ET, that's energy transfer. That is a company that is engaged in natural gas midstreaming, liquid transportation, storage business here in the U.S. I think the demand for natural gas is continue to go up as we shift from uh, uh, shift to an electric vehicle future. That may take some time, probably longer than most people think, but I think that will put more stress on the uh, electric grid and more and more of the marginal production for electricity uh, will be natural gas. It's abundant, it's relatively cheap, uh, and we aren't building enough nuclear power plants to really any pl- power plants to make up for that. So uh, I like this company. They, they definitely have a lot of debt compared to some of the others. It's not my favorite in the space, but I like it. Now, another question from Dan. Question on the defense industry. I was looking to add some exposure to the sector, but due to my current job, my options are limited, conflict of interest issues. Because of this, I'm focusing on Huntington Ingalls, HII, what would be a great entry point for the company? HII builds and repairs U.S. Navy nuclear-powered nuclear aircraft carriers, submarines, etc. 2.2% yields. Its earnings been kind of up and down. They made $19 a share in 2018, only $10 last year, $13 expected this year, $14.55 next year. Let me look at the chart here because it's definitely come down from – it's high in late 2019 of about $280 a share. Now we're at 204, but that's up from 136 of its 52-week low back in September, October timeframe. So it's kind of all over the place. Let me give you I'm trying to find a good value here. 180. 180 would be my entry point. Uh, that's where I'd be uh, patient because I, I think it is a bit overvalued based on its growth or lack thereof and its modest volatility in its uh, its earnings. So I would go 180 now. It's a 204. 180 would be my buy price on Huntington Ingalls HII. Thanks for the call. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see in the marketplace today, it's important to remember that during these periods of market uncertainty, you cannot keep take your eye off the ball. You have to stay focused on the task at hand and your particular goals and have a plan for it and execute that each and every week, each and every day. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. I'm ready for your calls live at 888-99-CHART. That's 888-992-4278. As we move through summer, you'll want and need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today poses the question, is e-commerce cooling now, and will there be a holiday shipping surge? And this is on the heels of UPS's earnings that came in yesterday. And they, the, the price of the stock fell to a three-month low, 
And this is really all about the fading boom in e-commerce. And second quarter domestic volume fell 2.9% year over year. This is an example of the opposite of base effects. The inflation numbers right now are, you can say, benefiting or hurt by the, uh, the base effects of uh, a defla- deflationary impulse of t- uh, second quarter of last year, whereas for UPS, it's the opposite. They, uh, their demand was inflating in Q2 of last year. And so when you look at that on a year-over-year basis, it's easy to see how the volumes slipped from those levels because they're just uh, not needed as much as more people uh, can get out to stores and, and, and move around a bit more. And e-commerce sales dropped 4% themselves year-over-year. So total volume two, down 2.9, e-commerce down 4%. Now, Executives at UPS said domestic package volumes could be under pressure in the second half of this year as shoppers return to in-store shopping. So they expect this to continue in the back half of the year. And they're also dealing with inflation and the Delta variant, and that is creating more issues uh, in various parts of the country. So they're, they're a little bit worried about that, but also scrambling from a supply chain perspective to get the necessary planes and equipment to deal with the surge in holiday volume that is expected as well. They expect that to be strong. So uh, kind of mixed there where uh, slowing for their business, but they still expect a very strong record holiday season. And in some ways they're worried about being able to keep up with that volume and having the, the capacity for it. Uh, So, you have to look at the earnings announcements for Q2 in light of these potential base effects. You don't really want to look at year-over-year numbers. The, this more than any quarter that I've seen in the past, you really want to look at what is expected for the balance of the year and into 2022 because those are uh, more realistic. And when you look at those year-over-year, they're going to be less jarring, both on the upside and the potential downside. So make sure you have that perspective when you're looking at any of these earnings reports coming in for Q2. Now, we thank you for your iTunes reviews and ratings, and we love to get your live calls and voice messages, too. This came in earlier on 888-99-CHART. Hello, my name is Juliana. I wanted to get your opinion on CLM, which is a Cornerstone Strategic Value Fund, and other fund is CRF, Cornerstone Total Value Fund, wanted to see if you recommend investing it. They both pay pretty good dividends, but I'm a little bit concerned about the value of the stock, the price actually going down over the years. So just wanted to get your opinion. Thanks. Bye. All right. This is Cornerstone Cornerstone Strategic Value. And it does have a high distribution rate, but you always have to make sure you understand where that distribution rate is coming from, especially these closed-end funds. Is it coming from the NAV? Just because you're getting cash in does not mean that you are actually getting that return because some of that could be coming out of the fund, and that's the biggest worry here. 
And this is a this is a fund that's been down from thirteen and change back in April. Now we're at eleven dollars and eighty seven cents. So it's down about ten percent in a time when the market's definitely up from there. So uh, whatever distribution of of sixteen cents it looks like every single month, uh, where is that really coming from? And I have to really do a deep dive uh, into that. And I just don't see that being sustainable, especially with the holdings. It just owns a suite of, of large cap companies, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, Procter & Gamble, J.P. Morgan, Disney, Tesla, MasterCard, Netflix. Those are the top 10 holdings, and they have 117 different equity holdings. So there's got to be some leverage here, uh, and that's likely just, once again, coming out of the NAV. And over time, this is just grinded lower. So once again, don't just focus on the dividend or distribution rate of an ETF. Understand where that's coming from. How is that sustainable? Is it sustainable? Can it grow? Ideally, you want companies that pay a dividend that can grow over time. And the dividend today is not that big as a, as a yield. Maybe it's only yielding 1% or 1.5%. And you, you might think, oh, that's not that much. Well, I guarantee you over a 10-year period, if they can grow that dividend at just a modest rate, 5 8% annually, a decade from now, you're going to have a very high-yielding ownership in that company because your cost base is going to be very low and they're going to be paying much more than they are today. So it's really about the quality of the dividend and the ability for them to grow that dividend over time. And that's what the best type of dividend investing is. We don't look we the the dividend rate that a company is is paying right now. The first thing we look at is how sustainable is that and then how can they grow that over time? What is the path to increasing that dividend over time? And if we don't see a path to that, then we almost ignore it. Because growth of that dividend is far more important than what that dividend yield is today. Now, in the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. With Fed rates held to near zero, what are your best moves? The low interest rate environment will end at some point, and the catalyst could be increasing inflation. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Invest Talk podcasts. The Invest Talk Anytime Listener Line never closes. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is Vaughn from Cincinnati. I just wanted to follow up on something Justin was talking about on Tuesday's episode. He was talking about paying down your mortgage and ways to do that a little bit faster. One really easy thing that you can do is you can check with your lender and see if they allow for bi-weekly payments instead of one monthly payment. So it doesn't even cost you anything extra per year, but it'll actually help to reduce your uh, time to pay down your mortgage by about eight years or so. So I do that plus an extra payment each year towards the principal and I'm gonna pay off a 30 year mortgage in about 18 years or so. So not all lenders allow that, but definitely something easy to check on and uh, see if you can do that. It'll save you a ton of time. Thanks, bye. All right, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, that's kind of one of those variations of paying your mortgage a bit early as opposed to just simply when it's due. So uh, I like that, especially those people that get paid bi-weekly just put your mortgage in half and pay each time uh you get you get paid uh and another strategy is just refinancing to a 15 year you know once you uh, once you get past uh that 10 15 year mark of a mortgage Typically, a 15-year mortgage has about a 50 to 75 basis point difference in the current mortgage rate. So even if the current 30-year mortgage might be uh, near or, or uh, just only a bit lower than what you're currently paying, a 15-year mortgage might be dramatically lower, and you can lower your payments that way as well. So there's a lot of different strategies. Just don't sit there blindly and pay your mortgage at the end at, at, when it's due. Uh, there's a lot of easy strategies to try to limit those interest payments over time. So great question. Now let's touch quickly on some shifts by the Biden administration to advance a series of changes to regulations that are aimed to increase workers' pay and other types of benefits and also allow 
federal workers and contractors to uh, get paid more, to uh, allow those to unionize in, in some ways. And the first announcement last week is beginning the process of raising the minimum wage for federal contractors to $15 an hour and ensuring that it will keep up with inflation. So, for example, the current minimum wage on private sector workers in 20 states is 725 has been 725 an hour in, since 2009. Now, in federal contracts, the minimum wage is currently $10.95, so much less than the current $15 an hour and 327 thousand three hundred workers currently make more than that ten ninety five but less than the fifteen dollars so the all those people would get a pay bump under this proposal now it wouldn't affect current contracts but any future contracts for government pay that's basically what they would have to pay their workers at least fifteen dollars an hour another change is the tipped minimum wage There are some rules that allow federal – under federal law that allow workers to pay as little as $2.13 as long – an hour as long as the tips bring them up to above the minimum wage. And this would basically, with some caveats, do away with that rule and just say, hey, you have to pay your – this minimum wage no matter what. And if they get tips, then they get tips. Now, the the rule change, the proposal will undo changes that – President Trump made to loosen the limits on employers' use of tipped minimum wage. And obviously, the restaurant industry really supports this because that's typically those who are paying that lower minimum wage. And this is really uh, an effort to – they've started this process this early because Trump tried to do some things late in his presidency, and the presidency ended before they could get it fully implemented. And so they hope that this will increase by January 30th, 2022. That's their hope that the executive order will increase those minimums then. And this will impact and, – and once again, this is not about politics. Whether you, what you agree should happen is completely irrelevant. And this is a great example of that. What you think should happen is irrelevant. What will happen is is all that matters. So this is something that should be on your radar for those businesses that employ a lot of people that are maybe making less than $15 an hour. The restaurant industry, think Brinker, Eat. This is an example of the type of company that I would not be excited about investing until I get clarity on what this rule change will be because certainly that's going to increase their cost dramatically. So you can see here, this is something I've been highlighting really since uh, the beginning of the pandemic that uh, this decade is going to be more about valuing labor over capital. And for decades now, society has really put the capital in a higher uh, bargaining position than labor. And it is now the work of government to switch that and change that. Will they be successful? How far will they be able to go? I'm not sure. 
But that's what you'll see here. Uh, this decade is a big move. Uh, and I think in – and it's bipartisan in some ways. It's just how do you execute it? And the Biden administration has one way. They're going to use these four years to try to advance that. Some they can do by executive order. The problem with executive order, it can easily be reversed. You see that with Biden reversing Trump's executive orders. Trump reversed a lot of uh, Obama executive orders. And so really it's about congressional approval and what that bargaining uh, will be like. So something to keep on your radar, especially for those companies that you may invest in that employ a lot of low-wage workers. Now, let's keep things moving and go right back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. And it's always open, waiting for your question at 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Long-time listener here. I'm calling about Intuit stock, ticker symbol I-N-T-U. It's looking like a pretty strong growth company. Revenue is up 30% year-over-year. Earnings per share is up over 30%. Return on equity is historically very strong. Looks like they're trading over both the 30- and 50-day moving averages. So I was just wondering if you guys think this is a good company to buy at these levels. Would you wait for a pullback? What are your thoughts about the future of the company, et cetera? So thanks, and I'm looking forward to listening to your response on the show. All right, this is Intuit, the maker, the maker of TurboTax and QuickBooks. And they've been growing consistently and dramatically. Earnings in 2015 were $2.59. 2021 this year, they expected to make $9.35 and $10.82 next year, up 16%. Half percent dividend yield currently, but they're increasing that. If you look at the trend of their of their dividend, they started paying that in 2012 at 60 cents a share. Now they're making two dollars and or paying out two dollars and thirty cents a share. It's a good example. Like I said before, dividend grower. You want companies that are going to grow their dividend. Trailing 12 month. Free cash flow about $2.8 billion. Current market cap $142 billion. Trading at 15, almost 16 times enterprise value to revenues. That is pretty expensive. Remember, 10 times is expensive, and you really have to be excited about that, uh, that business and the growth trajectory. And this was last trading at these multiples in 2000. So, no, I don't think this is a good value. I think it's overvalued at these levels. Our fair value is closer to $250 a share, about 50% lower than it is today. That's our fair value. Okay, so take, take that how you might, but I'm just not a fan of Intuit at these prices. I think it's a great company. It's definitely on my watch list, but not at these sky-high valuations. Now, in most parts of the country, you probably can tell easily by just looking outside. It's summertime. And we have listeners in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it's 92 degrees today. In Dallas, where it's 97. Phoenix, it's 105. And that means summer is well underway. Here in Laguna Beach, it's, uh, it's nice 75 degrees. Pretty standard here. It's why I love it. But, you know, in the market, we are seeing volatility. And you need to be prepared for the second half of this year. And it's important to keep your goals in mind when allocating your portfolio. And understanding the economic backdrop, the growth and inflation projections going forward, and what that means for different sectors of the market, different asset classes, and how you should overweight and underweight them in order to achieve your particular goals. So that's why I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same philosophy as we do here, independent thinking and shared success. 
And we do that by implementing unbiased guidance both on and off air and parallel investing where we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Just take a few minutes of time, go over what your situation is, how it can be improved, and hopefully we can help you in any way. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for telling your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And now we have surpassed 33 million. And next up, we play a question from a listener in Florida. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk 888 99Chart. Hey, how you doing? I love your show. My name's Peter. I'm from Florida. Got a quick question. Electric car market starting to expand. I see that a lot of automotive companies are heading that way. Curious, what are your thoughts on ALB? I, my understanding, they're one of the leaders in electric batteries. Please give me your thoughts. Enjoy your show. Thanks. Well, they're not the leader in electric batteries. What they are the leader in is lithium production. They're lar- the world's largest, largest, largest lithium producer. And they have a huge deposit in Chile as well as Australia, and that's really where they're getting their revenue from, and the demand for lithium is obviously rising dramatically. Trailing 12 months, they've done, let's see, where's revenue here? $3.2 billion in revenue, earning expected $3.63 this year. That's down from four twelve last last year and $6 the year before. Expect to make five sixteen next year, up 42%. Uh, technically, the chart is very strong, so uh, I can't argue anything there. But if I'm trying to take advantage of the electric vehicle market and the inputs to that, and I think that's great. We, we do that for, for our clients, and we have plenty of positions that will benefit as uh, EVs grow uh, in supply and demand. But for me, lithium is near the bottom of the list of the type of inputs to an electric car or into batteries or into solar cells that I would, I'm interested in because at the end of the day, it's basically salt. It's pretty abundant. It's not that hard to add production. Whereas copper, for example, it takes a lot longer to kick up production in that type of, uh, material. And isn't quite isn't nearly as abundant as uh, as lithium. So 
it's just not a name I get super excited about. Uh, it's trading at enterprise value to revenue of, let's see, about seven times. And historically, that's as high as it's ever traded. Okay. So I think you're getting at expensive prices. Uh, technically, it looks fine. I think it's probably going to go higher in the short to medium term. But it's just not a name that I'm getting super juiced up to invest in because those reasons, like I said before, too abundant and easy to add supply. Now, let's go quickly to some iTunes questions. And F4 says, I have a question regarding my Ford stock I bought in March 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic and have currently a 141% gain. I'm interested in taking profits and buying ChargePoint, CHPT. Is this a wise investment, a wise place for investment, or should I look elsewhere? Okay, so let's quickly touch on Ford. Ford is doing much better. Uh, the Their margins are getting much better because of the lack of supply uh, of cars, uh, used car prices, new car prices. They remain robust. The chart looks fine, so there's nothing technically. I would use that 100-day moving average as you're out, and right now it's it's held it, uh, and technically it looks okay. Now, if you're looking at charge points, CHPT, I believe this is, yeah, operates a network of open electric charging stations. This is a, a not a place that I get excited about. Another another place in the EV world. There's so many, so much money is being thrown at the EV world, and you really have to understand the, the industry. Who, how many people are going to charging stations? Most people are going to be charging their EV at home. And this company does not turn a profit. They issue more shares. I just don't see this as a great business. So absolutely, I'd rather own Ford than ChargePoint. And I would have that out on Ford to the 100-day moving average. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve, this is Joe from New York. Looking to open a brokerage account, is there any advantage to a TD Ameritrade account or that like as opposed to Chase brokerage account? Are there any benefits to either one or disadvantages at that? Bye. Well, the first thing is to look at any commissions. Uh, most of the big brokers, Fidelity, TD, Schwab, E-Trade, it's all commission-free. I don't know about J.P. Morgan or any of the, the bigger banks, whether they've gone commission-free or not. So that's that's number one. Now, if uh, the commissions are, are free both places, then it really comes down to a few things. One would be research. Uh, TD Ameritrade has Thinkorswim, which is a great research and, and trading platform and, and charting platform that I believe is free for, for, for any retail trader. Uh, so what are the tools that they have that are free to help you make decisions? That's number one. Number two would be customer service. This is a big part where uh, the Robinhoods of the world have giant drawbacks is they just don't really have uh, great customer service at all. And so can you call up and talk to somebody if you have issues, you want money, you, uh, you want to make a trade, you want advice, et cetera. Um, and then I think lastly would be 
the ease of ease of use, uh, logging in to see your account, making a trade, what that uh, interface looks like, uh, etc. So I think those are the three main considerations, but those first two especially, uh, those would be the start to make sure that you have the right support both uh, in per- over the phone or uh, through uh, research, and that's the way I would be thinking about it. But otherwise, mostly the same, commission-free. Now, lastly, I want to get to employee stock options, and this is especially important since the 90s. There's an interesting rule in the 90s where they're trying to limit CEO compensation, and what they what they inherently did was create incentives to give huge stock-based compensation to executives and employees, and that's why you have a lot of these executives making tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars a year, but it's all through their stock-based compensation, and that's where they incentivize to buy back stocks. But I digress. But what this has created is uh, an, a, a part of the market uh, with stock options and stock grants that become pretty complex pretty quick for a lot of people. And I've worked through these issues with uh, many clients. So if you have uh, stock options and you're trying to figure out how to exercise them tax efficiently, give me a call, send me a message. We can have a discussion of what that looks like and how to best do it. Uh, But this can be a key source of wealth for a lot of households nowadays, especially those uh, in Silicon Valley. And you need to be aware of vesting schedules and other details associated with the grants and tax issues. And this can be, once again, tricky. Now, what are the basics? If you have uh, you receive stock option grants, it's basically you have the right to buy a stock in the future at a predetermined date. So maybe for each option, it's 100 shares. And you typically have 10 years on stock options to for as the exercise window to exercise your options. So you might receive them in 2010, you expire December 31st, 2019. That'd be one example. And let's say the exercise price is $10 a share and leave the company, you're, you're vested, you exercise that for $20 a share. Now you could hold the stock or you could sell it and, and take your profits. But there are different qualifications. There's non-qualified stock options. So let's say you did that and that difference, that 10 to $20, would be taxes ordinary income to you. So you pay federal, state income tax, as well as Social Security, Medicare as well. But more common are ISOs, incentive stock option grants. And these are where you, if you, for, if you meet a couple of criteria, one is to hold the option for more than two years beyond the grant date to where you're vested, and then holding it additionally a year after you exercise the options. And when you do that, you qualify for long-term capital gains. Now, sometimes that's a good thing. You have to balance that out with also the risk, tying yourself too much to one particular company. And so these are some considerations, and we can go into the details, but you definitely need help with it. And if you need help, reach out to me. I can help. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening and encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you do so, we will prioritize 
the answer to your questions, you leave it in the rating. Now you can browse over at Invest Talk by topic, cryptocurrency, market volatility, growth stocks, whatever is on your mind. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.